0: Hello and welcome to another episode of balance to Talk About. In this week's episode, we'll be looking at a series of elections that took place in the first weekend of October and asking the big question: after a trouncing in Bavaria and Hesse, what's next for the Federal Traffic Light Coalition in Berlin? It is Saturday, the 21st of October, 2023. President, who seeks not to divide, but unify.
1: Not
0: now. I am a fighter and not a fighter. It's time for a change in this country, my friends. A real change.
1: Let's keep moving. Slava Ukraini!
0: And joining me on the other side of the world, as always, is my co-host Sam. Well, how's it going, Sam? It certainly has been a politics-filled month, isn't it?
1: It has, indeed. I mean, we had everything from the two UK by-election results yesterday to the continuing failure of the US Republican Party to elect a Speaker of the House of Representatives that have been providing some entertainment over the last week. But for sure, yeah, politics-filled month, Um, lots to discuss, and we'll be unpacking a little bit of it today.
0: Yes, and let's kick on with it, shall we? And before we move to talk all things Luxembourg, Sam, the people of Bavaria and Hesse went to the polls, and it's safe to say they sent a rather different message to the federal government compared to when the people of Bremen went to the polls in May, didn't they?
1: Yes, so this week we'll be unpacking three um, German state elections. Bremen actually had their election earlier in the summer, um, but Bavaria and Hesse just in the last few weeks and months, um, and we'll be unpacking them all together because I think, collectively, they tell a bit of a picture of the state of German politics at the federal level, but just to give you an indication of what happened, so Bremen, one of Germany's city-states, one of the smallest states by population in Germany, there were 87 seats up for election in their Landtag, you need 44 for a majority. Well, the SPD increased their seat share by 4 to 27, with an increase of nearly 5% of the vote as well. The CDU held firm on 24, with the Greens down 5 on 11. No change for the left. Uh, The Citizens in Rage party made a big impact in this election, gaining 9 seats to 10. And the FDP just hung on, remaining in the Landtag, with five seats on 5.1% of the vote. Remember, you need a 5% threshold in Germany, both at the state and federal level, to make it into Parliament, which will be a crucial number um, as we unpack this week's German results. And the incumbent government, which was a three-party coalition between the SPD, the Greens and the left, announced that they would renew their cooperation agreement under... Um, the mayor, Andreas Bovenschalter. So Bremen is sort of locked in. We've got the results there, we've got the eventual government. Bavaria, um, one of Germany's largest states, um, with 203 seats in their Landtag, needing 102 for a majority. Well, the Christian Social Union, which is um, the sister party to the federal CDU, led by Minister-President Markus Söder, continued its dominance in Bavarian politics, with 85 seats on 37% of the vote. It was actually the big surprise of the free voters of Bavaria, who came in second place, with 37 seats, an increase of 10, an increase of 4% of the vote as well. The AFD, third place, 32 seats, on just under 15% of the vote, which was a big increase of 4.4% for them. And the Greens in fourth place, also on 32 seats, but falling back six seats. The SPD fell back five seats to 17, with just 8.4% of the vote. And FDP, out of Parliament, losing all 11 seats, they only got 3% of the vote and, of course, fell below that 5% threshold. Then we have Hess, um, 133 seats in their Landtag, 67 required for a majority. Well, the cdu here led by boris ryan increased their seat share from 40 to 52 um increasing their vote share by nearly eight percent so a big increase for them in in hess the afd had a big increase as well um increase of five percent of the votes and nine seats the spd whose leader is actually the federal interior minister nancy Faeser, well they fell back six seats to 23 and nearly five percent of the vote the greens down seven down five percent of the vote And the FDP, again, just crossed the electoral threshold with just over five percent, down three seats to eight in total. And the left actually lost all nine seats, falling out of parliament altogether with just three percent of the vote. So I've talked a lot. I've talked through quite a lot of results. Um, The eventual coalition formations in Bavaria and Hesse are as yet unknown, even though we do know the preferences of the incumbent um, leaders of both the CSU and CDU. But Chen, what's your reaction to this plethora of results
0: in Germany? I think, to, su- to sum it up in a sentence, I'm not surprised by the headline results, but I think looking beneath the surface, there are interesting stories to be told. Traditionally, Hess and Bavaria are conservative states, and traditionally Bremen is, um, is, uh, is a stronghold for the SPD. I mean, it is, it is, for example, the SPD since World War II has never lost the mayorship of Bremen, for example. In Bavaria, the CSU has long dominated uh, politics. There, In fact, there was a joke I saw at some point that particularly during some parts of its history, the CSU was equivalent to the North Korea and its Communist Party in terms of how politics was to be run. And in Hess, for example, the CDU have controlled the minister presidency since 1999. So I wouldn't say that all three incumbents holding on was a particular surprise. But I think, let's look down beneath the surface, and I think it's pretty interesting. So we know what the context of the federal government is. We see all three parties struggling throughout the polls. We've seen it throughout the entire year. So therefore, when I want to talk about Bremen first, I think it's particularly interesting that the Bremen SPD, first of all, collectively pulled 10 percentage points better than what the SPD was currently polling nationally, and to increase its share of the vote amidst its environment was pretty interesting itself. And I don't think, Sam, you can look past the, why it did that, past the popularity of its mayor, Andres Schultz, who was a preferred mayor by half of the people polled throughout April and May, so in other words, two months leading up to the election, and crucially twice as popular as the CDU opponents, and I think as well, it being a very small city-state, therefore I think, particularly in the mayor, politics could seem much more local compared to the bigger states of Hesse and Mm. Bavaria, Mm. and there was not a lot of media attention on Bremen itself because of his strong position as SPD stronghold, because it wasn't in doubt because of his small size status. So therefore, much more local factors were at play rather than the national results. And that could explain why the SPD increases vote share. And I think that has to be talked about because it's remarkable about the stories to be told later on, isn't it?
1: Yes, but I think there is an asterisk here as well with Bremen, which is... Yes, they increased their vote share by nearly 5%, but it's still their second worst result in 70 years when they just got just under 30% of the vote. So yes, it's different compared to the other two states we're talking about here, but it's still a pretty poor result for the SPD in a state that they've done remarkably well in in the past. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that In 2019, the last time Bremen was up, the SPD vote in that election fell nearly eight percent. So it's but a modest recovery from 2019 when really federally and locally across the board, the SPD were really struggling four years ago. So I think you do need to put it in the context of, yes, it's positive, but it's still a pretty dire result for a state that the SPD has done remarkably well in. And why are they doing remarkably well? It's um, now one of Germany's poorest states. It's very um, working class, port manufacturing. Um, It has a lot of uh, unionized shipbuilders in SPD as well. Um, And it's also a huge aging population. And what do we know about the SPD base in Germany? It tends to be much older than the average voter of all the other political parties, mainstream political parties in Germany. So it's not a huge surprise that the SPD does well here. But I think it's still worth saying that, yes, it's positive compared to Bavaria and Hess, but it's not a good result.
0: I think that wider context is very fair itself. And you cannot escape, and we talked about the strength of the SPD, you cannot, whilst I have caveated this result, in particularly in the popularity of the mayor, you cannot deny, Sam, that particularly in the performance of the Greens and the FDP, and this would be a recurrent theme that links Bremen, Bavaria and Hess, that the coalition partners suffered, isn't it? Particularly the Greens and the FDP here. And you cannot ignore the fact that potentially federal factors could explain their poor performance.
1: No, absolutely. And as you said, I think that's going to be a trend across the three states we're talking about today, because the, the SPD has done relatively well in Bremen. They've had a disaster in Bavaria and they've had a disaster in Hesse. But the performances of the other coalition partners are almost worse in all three cases
0: as well. Well, I, I think like when we we'll talk about the Greens in Bavaria and Hess, I think because I like you said context matters. But suddenly the Greens I think had a really bad night in Bremen, and national party leaders did attribute this to so called quote local mistakes. Um, one one for example I read was on the Greens transport senator and its mayor candidate Ma- Mikey Schäfer will provoke anger for scraping so-called the bread roll button in one of the city's districts. So the bread roll button, as is colloquially known, was a policy allowing short-term free parking options at parking ticket machines designed to give locals just enough time to pop into the high street bakery, hence bread roll button. So you press it, saying that it's a... So you get a free option saying that you... Because you just want to pop into um a high street bakery to get your loaf of bread. And... It's, um, and I think what we're seeing there, and it just reminds me, of, and when I read about it, this the U.S. controversy in London and the Uxbridge by election came into mind as well. And I think it's further point to evidence that even in amidst a cost of living crisis, in even in the progressive urban city, the Greens were punished as it's set to turn promises to reduce carbon emissions into action, which I think. As I mentioned, a cost of living crisis turning words into action it turning out to be a much more difficult mm. thing to do. And and for a place like
1: Bremen, which is famous in Germany, although reducing over time, but one of its most famous exports is um, shipbuilding and manufacturing. So, for it doesn't quite quite in the present moment sit well with the kind of policies the the federal Greens are trying to espouse in government as
0: well. And I think one thing that um, I should say as well for people interested as well is where was the AFD in Bremen? Well, the reason is is that um, the reason why the AFD was not in the picture whatsoever, they were just actually disqualified from running due to internal party disputes. And in the previous election they, in 2019, um, and and what we did see was that what the AFD voters or people who were going to vote AFD do, well, they voted for the Citizens in Rage party. And the impact of it is pretty profound, to say the least, because in the previous election, it never got above the 5% threshold or any of the elections that it contested. And as a result of the AFD being disqualified, um, it quadrupled the number of raw votes it won in twenty twenty three compared to 2019. And I think what that does show is that a lot of the vote for AFD, certainly in Bremen, was seen as a protest vote against the establishment. And there was no way any other, the traditional parties were going to win that, were they?
1: No, and I think it's also a reflection of where we are in the federal opinion polls because we see quite persistently now that the AFD is polling, if not in second place, a significant rival for second place in in that opinion polling. So it's not a surprise to see a significant pocket of people who are prepared to vote for either them or in absent of them, the Citizens Enraged Party as well.
0: Indeed. So um, I think... We're going to talk about some of the national issues that plague the federal government, particularly some of those that have impacted the Greens, because the economy minister, Robert Harbert, his economy ministry has had a number of scandals, which I think has impacted the Greens' performance. And Sam, would you not agree that the national um, implications or the national mood among Germans is more clearly seen in the Bavarian Hess performance, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think in a way the Bavarian Hess um results are much easier to analyze from a federal perspective because what you see pretty much um, across the board is all three coalition partners doing significantly worse than they should have done in this cycle. I mean, at one point, I think the the SPD were actually pretty optimistic that Hess was sort of on the table for them and what happened um, was that the CDU actually did even better than they did before so this really did fall apart for them and I I think it's worth mentioning on the Bavaria point that yes the SPD haven't been in government in Bavaria since 1958 so it's not particularly surprising that they're out of government and not performing but I think for any mainstream, major political party to score less than 10% in any state is pretty atrocious. I mean, they're now sat on 17 seats in the Bavarian Landtag. At the turn of the century, do you know how many they had, Chern? In the Bavarian Landtag? No. 67. Wow. So in 20 years, that's a fall of 50 seats. So I think, yes, we're going to be talking about how these are Poor performances, but not particularly surprising because they're in conservative states. But yes, they're in conservative states, but the SPD is meant to be one of the main two political parties in Germany. So to be on less than 10%, I think is pretty cataclysmic.
0: Well, let me just tell you let's look at Bavaria and analyze Bavaria because I think that's interesting. Bavarian politics, because of, there's a the fact there's no CDU, it's a CSU, I think has interesting implications. Um, the SPD. No, you talked about what is ha- the fact that it got less than 10%, and it is pretty shocking. What's even more shocking, Sam, is that 8.4% for the SPD is the fourth worst regional election result ever in the SPD's history. So not even just looking at Bavaria itself, it is the worst performance of the party since World War II, but across all 16 states is the fourth worst performance. And it's the fourth worst performance Saxony in 2019... Turinger in 2019, saxony anhalt in 2021. So in recent years, it's had a lot of very, very poor performances. um, And that cannot be denied. Um, let's look at the other coalition parties. The FDP fell below the 5% threshold as a party's worst results in 2003. It last fell below the 5% threshold in 2019- 2013. And 10 years on, what was the difference in 2013, the, the similarity in 2013-2023? They were both in government. That stage in 2013 with the CDU, and this time around with the, under the Traffic Light Coalition. We should note with the Greens, though, and I think you talked about Bremen and the SPD in context. The Greens' vote did decline, but at 14.4%, it is still the party's second best performance in its history in in Bavaria with the exception of the last election in 2018 so whilst it is down it is coming off down from a historically high base and I think what happened in 2018 was they probably soaked up some of the centre-left vote or some of the vote that mm. was there the more centrist vote that was there um, because they were in opposition at a CDU-SPD grand coalition mm. itself so I think some of that vote naturally would have gone away anyway I mean, it feels like in this podcast
1: so far we've just been hammering the federal coalition partners, but I think it is worth saying in Bavaria that the CSU are pretty disappointed as well because um, Marcus Soder and his CSU didn't particularly personally capitalise on any of the um, drop in support for the SPD, Greens or FDP because the CSU, yes, they, yes, they're still the biggest party, yes, they're still going to provide the minister-president, But they didn't increase their seats at all, or their vote share
0: at all. So that's an interesting story in itself. No, and at 37%, this is the party's worst performance since 1950. So they've held water, is the only other way to say it. And for
1: them, it's concerning that the two parties who did benefit are the free voters, who increased their vote by 4%, and the AFD, who increased their vote by 4.4%. So this is a challenge
0: to them, from the right. Exactly. And I think what we're seeing now is that, Sam, isn't it about 30% of Bavarian voters are chosen for the right parties for the CSU? And we know Marcus Schroeder has unrealized federal ambitions. He wants to lead the CDU-CSU coalition nationally. Do you think that this, this result, whilst he has won handsomely he will be the minister-president, do you think they helped? or harm his chances of being that lead candidate?
1: Yeah, I think on balance of probabilities, I think it's more likely to harm him, because if we roll back the clock a bit to when um, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer stepped down, and we were talking about potential um, chancellor candidates for the CDU-CSU coalition, we talked up Marcus Söder's chances a lot because of how overwhelmingly popular he was in Bavaria and also across the country as someone who was more rightward leaning for the party, um, someone who had a lot of um, high approval ratings both statewide in Bavaria and federally, whereas now I'm not entirely sure that's the case because this is not a resounding endorsement of him, his party, his leadership of Bavaria. Yes, he's he's going to continue to be the minister-president, that is Unquestionable. That is without doubt in these results if he wants to do that. But I think his federal case always was his overwhelming popularity and ability to dominate Bavarian politics, whereas I think this, in the context of all the federal coalition partners doing badly, yet it's his right-wing opposition that's doing well, I think sort of takes apart his argument that he is the bastion of the right, of the centre-right, and someone who can just, is an election-winning machine.
0: Well, technically, he has
1: won the election. Well, that's true. That's true. But I think, just look at Hess. I mean, Hess, the federal coalition par- parties did badly. The incumbent CDU government did very well.
0: That's the difference. And I think, crucially, in Hess, we talk about Hess. Like, the Hess-CDU vote in 2018 fell 11% they recovered 8%. So it suggests that a lot of the fall, they have recovered. In 2018, the CSU vote fell 10%, and it now has fallen a further 0.2%. So there was no recovery whatsoever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just bleeding support to the right. And, And I think a lot of it is how in particular, because it was quite interesting to me that the fall in the CSU support, if I look at the polls or polls, has coincided with a rise of the free voters of Bavaria. Sad, to listeners who may be less informed about German politics, what who are the Free Voters of Bavaria?
1: Um, they're basically a group of independents, I think is probably the best way of trying to explain what's going on here. I think I think one of the closest comparisons in terms of the style of political movement is maybe like the teal independence we're talking about in um in Australia. Yes, the teal independence. Tend to be centre left in Australia, but this is very much a centre right to right wing group of independent voters who are trying to um, gain entry into the Landtag of Bavaria and have been pretty successful in doing that. They they market themselves as an alternative to every single political group, um, and they manage to pull voters away from the centre right ground. and I think it works in Bavaria because I mean the CSU have been so historically dominant in bavaria that i think for people looking for an alternative you're not really going to find the ability to dislodge the csu on the left of the political spectrum but you can gain some influence in the government by voting for these more local issue local bavarian politics focused Um, candidates that the free voters represent, and in fact they've been in coalition with um, the CSU for the last term of government. It looks increasingly likely that that's going to continue Um, and what will be interesting is to see the impact that these groups have on the federal level when we next have the federal election because they're trying to break into other states as
0: well, Um, but they've been particularly popular in Bavaria. Well, I think I saw recent polls that put them at 4% and the threshold federally is 5%. So they're coming awfully close. And it will represent a further fragmentation of the centre-right right-wing vote as mm. well. What what uh, I do uh, find interesting, Chern, and I love your
1: opinion on this, is I think it's particularly fascinating that this Free Voters and AFD both did well in the same election. Because in my mind, these two parties
0: are sort of competing for the same vote. I think they are competing to the same vote to a certain extent. But at the same time, not to the same extent. I think, in particular, if you are angry with the current government, I will be very surprised if at uh, with the current Bavarian government, I should say, I would be very surprised if you you then voted for the free voters of Bavaria, for example. However, I could see a situation where if you were angry at the federal government. But not necessarily keen on the CDU, for example. And you know, we have seen a lot of the times that in um that the the CDU in opinion polls has not really risen in opinion polls nationally, it's all gone straight to the AFD. But I could see a situation in Bavaria where the the free voters was a very useful outlet for all those discontent who were, who were too afraid to vote for the AFD. Who would who found another alternative and the free voters suddenly appealed to it. And the anti-establishment voter who but was scared of the AFD could find a useful home in the, the in the free voters of Bavaria. So that could be one way in which that, that influence has borne out, really. Um, whereas, for example, and the impact of that, I think, is seen in the CSU vote to a certain extent. Where if you're afraid of the AFD, you therefore could more probably wanted to vote. If you are angry with the federal government, but were afraid of the AFD, what could you do in Hess? You probably voted for the CDU. But in in Bavaria, you had an option. And I think because the CSU is still in the doldrums or seen as part of it, or you're still angry with them. I think it attracted a lot of that vote as well. So, the impact, I think, is to draw a lot of it away. Because what I, and this is, and the reason why I'm saying this mm. is one reason why the, the free voters in Bavaria saw a big in- increase in the polls, particularly in the last month or so, was a scandal surrounding its leader, the Deputy Minister, President Hubert I. Have you been reading about it, Sam? I haven't, no. So, the Hubert High was accused by a local newspaper of distributing a pamphlet with anti-Semitic contents in it. Now, Highwinger admitted to carrying copies, but denied writing it. The, he, in, and in a twist, it turned out his elder brother claimed responsibility for writing the pamphlet. He claimed not to remember multiple times to whether he actively distributed the anti-Semitic pamphlet and attacked the left-leaning local newspaper of a dirty campaign. And there was a subsequent media pile-on, including from the Minister-President and senior coalition partner and CSU leader, Marcus Schroeder, who demanded that hiring answer 25 questions on the matter, including whether he actively distributed a pamphlet, as I mentioned earlier. And yet, with the impact of that was so increase in the polls because he attacked the media for running a dirty campaign. And I think he was trying to tap into those group of voters who potentially saw an establishment pile-on by both the by the the government and by the CSU itself, and that increases anti-establishment credentials and therefore saw a safe haven for voters who dislike the federal government and who could vote for the free voters because the free voters espouse those anti-establishment views but potentially not as extreme as the AFD. Yeah, I think that's interesting. That's
1: an interesting story. Chen, before we just wrap up the um, German section of this, two questions for you. One, what do you think the coalitions will be in Bavaria and Hess? And two, what is the federal impact of
0: these um, results? So let's start with Bavaria. Um, I think for Bavaria, we're likely to see a continuation of the CSU Free Voters of Bavaria coalition. Together, they have an increased majority. It probably will result in the free voters gaining an extra ministry, which is something that Winger is demanding. After you get the best ever regional result, I don't see that being an uh, I see that being likely to be the case. And interestingly as well, um, the reason why I said that was that um once the aftermath of the scandal broke, uh shoulder did say, did for several days contemplate whether to sack Hiringer as the Deputy Minister-President and Economy Minister. But there was a poll that 60% of Germans and 70% of Bavarians, including, I suspect, a chunk of the CSU voter base, supported Sjöder's eventual decision to keep Highwinger on. So I think that because the voter base supports Highwinger, I, je- I cannot see anything other than a CSU uh, Free Voter Coalition. Haas is interesting from my point of view, because. In Hess, what we saw was that the CDU, it was the eighth consecutive election which they topped the vote. They saw a significant increase in their vote, um, as I mentioned earlier, nearly recovering the vote share they lost in 2018. But I think a big reason for it was that it was notable that centrist min- pre- minister-president of Hess, Boris Rhein, portrayed himself as the conservative answer to the quote, left-wing green chaos in Berlin. And this is despite the fact that he runs a CDU-Greens, coalition locally. Sam, do you think that with such language use and the impact we are seeing on these results, would he want a continuation of that locally? I See, I'm of
1: the view that he's kind of left with no choice unless the CDU do want to try once again an experiment of working with the AFD. Because the last time the CDU tried working with the AFD was quite famously in Turingia. In 2019, which went so badly that it was almost the beginning of the end of the CDU's aspirations for the 2021 federal election. So will they want to repeat that? I, I don't think so. So I think it's almost the most realistic option here is to continue the coalition with the Greens. But helpfully for the CDU, the Greens are now down seven seats. So their influence in this coalition is going to be reduced. You can probably reduce their demands for entering in the coalition and for ministries. So I think that's the most likely outcome. But they could, the CDU could be on the verge of trying once again that AFD experiment. But as I said, that I think a lot of CDU figures on the federal level, who it was the federal CDU who intervened in Thuringia to stop the coalition with the AFD, and it actually led to the resignation of Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, I think there'll be a lot of people on the federal level of the CDU who will be desperate for that not to be repeated.
0: What about the SPD? They won't try a grand coalition here. I can't see that happening, can they? I just can't
1: see the SPD going for that, but stranger things have happened. I think there are a lot of a lot of options in Hess that don't exist in Bavaria. So this is the most
0: interesting one for me. And I think if the FDP at poll better that would probably be their preferred coalition partner. But Sam, I have to say that, I mean, we look at Bremen, Hess, the FDP are really playing Russian roulette with that 5% threshold, sometimes falling just below it, sometimes just gaining enough votes enter the parliament. And I noted, and I sent you a, a message last night on one of the polls, which put for the first time, the FDP back on 5%. This must definitely feel a deja vu for them in Hess, isn't it? Because... This was again the joint worst, second worst performance for the party, just above the 5% threshold, and a similar situation in 2013 as well. So, all polls are showing that history is repeating itself, isn't it, for the FTP? For sure, for sure. And I
1: think that's a nice segue to talk finally about the federal implications, because the one question I think a lot of people will be asking is given these terrible performances of the coalition partners, given the repeated um, stories we have in the press now about coalition partners, particularly the Greens and FDP, disagreeing on almost every policy they're trying to put out now, particularly disagreements between um, the climate aspects of their government and Christian Lindner in the finance ministry, will this government collapse? Because that is gonna be the question on everyone's lips going into this election. And Chern, before I give you my view on that, what? What is your answer to that question?
0: I think it's going to be a very unhappy marriage all the way to the next election in two years' time. Because the one thing that I think will keep them together is self-interest. Because what will happen if one of the parties walks away, we will see the SPD almost certainly fall potentially to third place, which it certainly wouldn't want to do. And it would definitely lose the minister president, so why would they? The FDP is already playing Russian roulette with the 5% threshold. And they may figure going long will A, just allow them, if they're office-seeking, to remain in power for a little bit longer. Or B, by throwing their shoulders up more, that could rescue them and bring them over the 5% threshold, which they failed to do in 2013 by keeping somewhat quieter against the CDU. And from the Greens' perspective, this could be... um, I just can't, and similar situation for the Greens, they'll see a loss of support, they may see them out of government altogether. So why would they collapse the government? So I think for all three regions, self-interest will keep them within the government, And the reason why I fall into that conclusion is I think it's a similar reason why Richie Sunak's not going for the polls right now. Um, I'm applying similar logic and applying it to the German government because I saw something like 60 to 70% of Germans are dissatisfied with the the German government and want the federal election. And particularly in Hess as well, it's been a while since we bashed up the the how badly this SPD did but I think you cannot escape the fact that 15.1% it is the worst ever performance for the party it has lower than the historic low vote last time round and this time in has you the campaign was led by the interior minister Nancy Fager and one of the reasons why the federal government is in such hot trouble is immigration which is she's directly in charge of so I think putting her as the face of the campaign would have further nationalized this issue. So, Sam, um, given that migration falls under interior minister, do you think Germany will, A, get a new interior minister? And what do you agree with my analysis of the fact we won't get another election for potentially two years? I
1: I totally agree with your analysis about this coalition. And in fact, my answer to the question was also going to be that I don't think anybody has anything to gain from withdrawal and collapse of this coalition. You talked through a few reasons why, but I think the other thing is that The Greens, I think, are in quite a strong position to be able to implement climate-based policies that they've been yearning for a long time. And even if they remain in government after the next election and the CDU do a lot better, they're not going to be in the kind of left-leaning government that's going to be more willing to implement these policies. So... I think even if the greens do remain in government i don't think they're going to have as much clout as they have in this government and then you've got christian Lindner, who his party's almost certainly going to fall out of the out of the bundestag again he's been yearning for the finance ministry for his entire political career and has got a global platform because of it i mean just last week he was doing major interviews about the uk renegotiation of the eu settlement so you have, you have all three parties in prominent positions that they would almost certainly lose if an election were to be called. I think ultimately, as you said, self-interest is what binds this group together. Saying that, there is German historical precedent for governments collapsing. So if these relations do become even more soured, the political mood changes more profoundly. It's possible. I mean, Gerhard Schröder submitted his own government to a confidence vote in 2005 after claiming that the public lacked confidence in his government. So there is historical precedent here. um, But as you said, I think self-interest plays a large
0: role. Um, And I think as well, before we say that, the previous time the SPD were in government before Gerhard Schröder, didn't they also, didn't the government collapse then as well, which led to the rise of McCoy as chancellor? Yeah, Willy Brandt Brandt took the government...
1: Yeah, he took his own government to a confidence vote because there were quite a few defections from the SPD to CDU and they actually lost their majority. So he took his own government three times since World War Two, a German government has collapsed. But in all instances, it's been the the, um, chancellor has submitted
0: his own government to dissolution. Just one final point, the Greens, though, because I think that's important, is that I think in the Greens in both Bavaria and Hesse, whilst their vote share declined, it was still the second best performance in the party's history. So I think definitely in Western Germany, the picture is that they have they have had a setback, but from a historic high from last time around where they weren't in mm. government. But I certainly think that you are absolutely right that the influence is probably at its highest now with the SPD government here, because I imagine that probably the next government could be a CDU, FDP and uh, Greens government where the Greens will be seen as the somewhat troublemakers as what the FDP are appearing to the SPD Greens now because I suspect the CDU and FDP, if I'm assuming the FDP gets over the threshold, will are much more natural coalition partners of each other. And therefore, in that scenario... The FDPs in the the Greens' influence is significantly reduced in that government. But in any case, I think the Greens, because they've not been in government since that two thousand two to two thousand five, two thousand five was the last time they were in government. They have shown a little bit of naivety in studying around policy making and certainly the so articulating the social consequence of the green transition. we are seeing evidence of it in the national heating laws, for example, we, I talked about the Bremen example, they have to do better about communicating some of the policies that they're implementing as well. And I think in general, its ministers need to step out this play because I note that one of the scandals implementing the Greens is a co-leader, for example, in the economy ministry was allegations of cronyism where the head of the government-owned Germany Energy Agency was the best man at Robert Harbert's wedding. I think Annalena Babel, ironically, after the last campaign, is seen as a strong, she's been quite a strong, steady hand at the foreign ministry, but one will argue foreign policy is very often not something that's top of German voters' concerns at the moment. And so, therefore, I think those ministries, particularly Robert Harbaugh and some of the other ministers who control some of the domestic policy, need to ensure that their game is stepped up in what could be a very turbulent two years and in trying to get through all their climate policy with a FDP, who I'm certain, Sam, is not willing to play ball whatsoever.
1: Yes, and just to leave you with a stat about how transformed the German party system might be going into the next federal election. The 18% achieved by the AFD in Hesse in this election is the highest percentage of the vote that the AFD have ever achieved in any context in Western Germany. So the AFD traditionally have been a party much stronger in the east of Germany, but they're clearly gaining a foothold in the west as well. And that's probably the reason why they're doing so well in federal opinion polls and why
0: the next federal election will be particularly turbulent. N. And- Next year, of course, we've got another three German state elections in eastern Germany. The AFD could be about to be claiming the mother of all victories in any of them. Okay, so now I'll be moving straight on to be talking about another country, well, that isn't in the news, but this has certainly been a learning experience for me because it was on the same day in which the same weekend as Bavaria and Hess went to the polls, Luxembourg went to the polls. And in the 60-seat chamber of deputies, where you need 31 seats for a majority, the Chris- the CSV came first once again with 21 seats and 29.2% shared the vote. The Democratic Party, whose leader is the Prime Minister Xavier Battelle, who has 14 seats, up to with 18.7% shared the vote. The Luxembourg Socialist Workers' Party has 11 seats, up one with 19% shared um, the vote. The right wing populist Alternative Democratic Reform saw its seat tally increase by one to five seats with 9% of vote. The Greens were the big losers in this election. Their seat tally half for, down to four seats, down five seats with 8.6% of vote. The Pirate Party got three seats up, one with 6.7% of the vote, and the left has got two seats with 4% of the vote. The key takeaway message is that the Democratic Socialist Worker Green Coalition, which had 31 seats in the last election, well, they've lost their majority. So at the very least, there will be a new government formation. So Sam, first of all, reading about Luxembourg, which is a new country for both of us, what is your reaction to these results? Well, what I did
1: find interesting reading about Luxembourg is just how little turbulence there has been in the vote shares and the party system for most of the time it's been holding democratic elections. I mean, in fact, the, C- the CSV, the Christian Social People's Party, has been the largest party in in every single Luxembourg election since the party's formation and with the exception of Xavier Bettel and Gaston Thorne in the 1970s they provided every single Luxembourg Prime Minister since World War Two so there has been relatively little to no change in the seat representation in the Luxembourg Chamber of Deputies with the exception of those times when the Democratic Party did particularly well. However, in this election, we've seen in one fell swoop the Greens party lose five seats. So my headline reaction to this election, having researched that and found that information out is wow, the Green Party did do particularly badly in this election and are the reason that this government will be falling out because the CSV Did not change their seat count. the democratic party picked up two the luxembourg socialists picked up only one and the alternative democratic reform picked up only one so in that context for the green party to lose five seats is is quite
0: something yeah and that's why i'm struggling because this election result was quite hard for me to contextualize because if it was uh, a vote against the government you would see the democratic party and the socialist workers party both performed worse than they did last time round, But yet, that isn't the case here. So I don't think it's just general dissatisfaction with the government. It's just general dissatisfaction with the Greens. Why is that the case, do you think?
1: I found a few potential explanations which all seem to make sense to me. So... One of them was about what this election was about. So security issues were particularly high on the agenda in this election. And the Green Party controlled the justice and internal security portfolios. So the Green Party at the centre of this government's security policy. Housing was another huge issue in this election. Who controls the housing ministry? The Green Party. And also, we saw there was a particularly huge drop in support in both the East and South Luxembourg constituencies. And um, the Luxembourg electoral system we haven't explained um, is a multi-seat proportional system split into four constituencies: North, East, South, and West Luxembourg, all which provide a handful of seats to the Chamber of Deputies on a proportional basis within those constituencies. Well, the differdang in, in the South saw a huge drop off in green support in the municipal elections earlier this year due to the fact that their mayor, who was a green mayor, um, Traversini, had to resign alongside Carol Dishberg, who was the federal environment minister in Luxembourg because of something called the garden shed scandal, which was a decision by the local mayor approved allegedly by the environment minister on the national level Um, to allow the repaving of a path without local council approval um, in Differdang. Now, this might sound quite trivial, but Luxembourg famously has incredibly strict planning laws And for the mayor to skirt round council approval and go straight to a friend he had on the national level to get approval for this path and do it um, regardless was seen as quite a significant scandal. A betrayal of local voters led to his resignation and left the Green Party on both the national and local level in tatters. I think you then start to build a picture as to why the Green Party in particular in this election
0: became quite unpopular. And I think as well, what's interesting about that is that both the so clearly isolated which of the coalition partners it didn't like, rather than tarnish the rest of the coalition with it, which I think is a particularly interesting thing that has happened. And I totally agree that housing was one of the reasons why the Greens didn't do well. And if you control the housing uh, portfolio, it means that you directly will shoulder some of the blame for it. Is And but. For the greens is that unfortunately, none of the factors that why in this housing crisis is unique to Luxembourg, isn't it? Because high rental prices and increased interest rate has meant that people are unable to afford mortgage payment. And that latter, the increase in interest rates, will particularly hurt because something like seventy percent of Luxembourg's own property, which is pretty interesting. which is pretty. So therefore, if you have a mortgage on that. It's a lot of the population to be angry about the big increase in interest rates in recent times. And I also saw something as well is that despite Luxembourg, you know, it's one of the richest countries in the world. It leads. It also leads, unfortunately, the European statistics for the working poor, where twelve point nine percent of the population as a is 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 designated as working poor. Largely, the youth cohort falls into that, and it's the second highest in the EU except for Romania. Um, And I think in particular, that could really impact the Greens, because traditionally we see the Greens are seen as anti-housing development, protecting the Green Belt, that is part of the name. And I think it could also explain the increase in the Alternative Democratic Reform Party, who is particularly popular among low-income people who would be disproportionately helped by the rental increase and the increase in mortgage payments, and people left our recent economic growth, they themselves branded as anti-establishment. So I think... It It is fertile ground for explaining the rise of the right-wing Green pop- populace, apart from, you said, the scandals of the Green Party itself. I want to quickly turn in the remaining discussion we had to the CSV, because as, you, as we said throughout this podcast, context is important. That whilst this is a good performance for the CSV, it's been their maintenance vote share, it is still the 2023 performance is the first time since the party's increased its vote share from previous elections, still the second worst performance since the party was founded in 1945, from, apart from the last election itself. So it's still, like the CSU, a relatively poor performance mm-hmm. for the Christian Social People's Party. I just thought that was important to mention.
1: Yeah, exactly. And especially in an environment where we've seen a little bit of dissatisfaction with the current government. It's less than a percentage increase on 2019 and nowhere near a return to like the mid to high 30 percent that they were achieving the last time that they were in government. Um, one statistic I did find about the CSV, which I think is sort of just says everything you need to know about the stability of the, the rigid stability of the Luxembourg um, party system is that Since 1945, the Christian Social People's Party have only been out of power for 15 years. Ten of those 15 years were the last 10 years. So that's how dominant the Christian Social People's Party has been, and at no point have they ever in the party's
0: history not come first. So therefore, I think what happened in the last two elections was that there was an alternative path to power. And you called in 2013, it was Jean-Claude Juncker was the Prime Minister of Luxembourg. Those were the days. And he fell because of a spy scandal. And there there were the numbers at the next election for an alternative government, which maintained its majority in 2018 to form an anti-CSV coalition. The question is now is, Sam, who will the Christian Social People's Party opt to go with to return to power. Will they opt for Xavier Bettel's Democratic Party or the socialist workers? They have worked with both in the past. And one thing is pretty sure, Sam, it probably will be only one coalition partner rather than both, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the Christian Social
1: People's Party are pretty happy that they have options. Um, Luke Frieden, who is the leader of the S- Social People's Party and likely the next prime minister of Luxembourg, has indicated that his preference seems to be with the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party leader, outgoing Prime Minister Xavier Battelle, seems pretty keen on that as well. In fact, he said, I don't mind going back into government and not being Prime Minister, um, and I'm quite happy to negotiate. So the negotiations have begun um, between the Christian Social People's Party and the Democratic Party. But yeah, it's worth saying that the socialist workers... They might seem like an ideologically unusual um, partner for the Christian Democratic group, um, particularly because the socialist workers, clues in the name, are a much more left-leaning party than they are. But. Of Juncker's 18 years as Prime Minister, 13 of them were in coalition with the, Christian Social, with the Luxembourg Socialist Workers' Party. So it's not uncharted territory if indeed the Democratic Party negotiations do fall apart. But I think the preference for everybody at the moment seems to be that the Democratic Party and the CSV go into a coalition. And they will have comfortably a majority um, if they were to just be a two-party coalition.
0: I should say that that is the official reason and I think ideologically closeness is the other. But I think what could be an interesting thing and why I think the Democratic Party and Xavier Patel said that is I think there could be joking over who is the EU commissioner in Lux- from Luxembourg for in- after 2024. I did read rumors that Xavier Patel is keen on it. So I think that if you're in government, you probably, I, was just, I wonder if another deal is struck where we'll give you the premiership, we'll return you to the premiership in return for me becoming the EU commissioner from Luxembourg as well, that could be an interesting thing to note. And therefore, I wonder if the socialists themselves, for whatever reason, if they are also, if that deal with the Democrats falls down, and I don't think it will do, is self interest and Xavier Patel's self interest involved? They also could also be much more willing to work with the CSV because the current commissioner is from the socialists, um, is from the socialists. Um, The current, and they hold the jobs and social rights portfolio, Nicholas Schmidt has indicated he wants a second term and he has not ruled it out. So despite the fact he's 70 years old. So I think for both parties, I wonder if the CSV is willing to trade the EU commissioner job for 2024 in order to get them back to, into the premiership. Mm, Something mm. to watch, isn't it?
1: No, for sure, for sure. And I think there will be across Europe quite a lot of, jockeying for European positions going on um, in the countries in
0: the build-up to the European Parliament elections next year as well. And I think one thing to note as well is that small countries in particular, because they have much more ironically ability to get these big jobs within the EU because they are a small country rather than a big country. Everyone resents the fact that a big country sometimes gets all the big jobs. I mean Jean-Claude Juncker was a former EU commissioner, isn't um commission president, isn't it? So um, the European Council President, I think, Donald Tusk, that was friend to Poland. You know, this time round, Charles Michel took out, as uh, from Belgium, took out the European Council once again. So small countries have been able to throw their weight around some of these big EU jobs, and we shouldn't be surprised if that's what Xavier Batel reckons. Yeah, I mean, we could get
1: particularly also Luxembourg, because Luxembourg was one of the founding members of what now is the European Union. So Luxembourg also has sort of like a a legacy position within the European Union, so is able to outsize its influence that way as well.
0: So Sam, we've had an interesting discussion on, I I would theme this as elections that, well, I would say less so in Bavarian has, but certainly elections that flew under the radar. I don't think many news outlets covered Luxembourg, and we had to do quite a bit of digging to find the information for this podcast. And I think that's something we both shared this week. But if you could give some reflections on both sets of uh, um elections to close it out. um, Mine would be that I think suddenly the fall of this Democratic Socialist Worker-Greens coalition, if not for the fact that we saw an abysmal performance in both Bavaria and Hess, really spells trouble for the German traffic light coalition, because it's a similar arrangement, isn't it? The Democratic Party is similar to the Free Democrats. The Socialist Workers is similar to the Social Democrats and the Greens, And even within the less turbulent world of Luxembourg politics, we saw the Greens get absolutely smashed. And I think that's a very foreboding sense of what could happen in German federally. And would you not agree, Sam? I think both elections, we saw context is important. We talked about the fact that in Bremen, in Bavaria, and in Luxembourg, it appeared as if that the, the party that came first had a good night. But when digging back a little bit and peeling the layer, comparing against last time, it actually really isn't an improvement from quite a low base. And I think that's been lost on quite a lot of the media coverage. What were your reflections?
1: Yeah, I think I broadly share those reflections as well. And what I was also going to say is I think in a lot of cases, um, it's we've seen not an out-and-out rejection of the incumbent governments, whether it's on the state level in Germany or on the national level in Luxembourg. And we've talked a lot in recent weeks around the world about rejections of incumbents, incumbents doing particularly well. Obviously, Germany is slightly more complicated because the incumbent federal government is very different to the incumbent government in two out of three of these states. But still, I think there is evidence in both of these elections, sets of elections, that if the the incumbent government is performing Relatively well on some indicators, and is not exceedingly unpopular. There is scope for your incumbent party to build on that, um, build on that uh, support. And I think we've seen that in Luxembourg, in the Democratic Party, and also across the board in in the German states as well.
0: Well, whilst we might not talk about incumbent governments getting the boot on this week in Germany, and to a lesser extent Luxembourg, if not for the coalition partners. I think that won't be the story next week when we when we continue our set of elections in October. No, I suspect not. But for now, that is it for the latest episode of Ballot to Talk About. Do join us again next week when we're we'll talking about elections which booted out the government two parliamentary electoral systems in Poland and New Zealand. And as always, we'll continue to queue up to date on the world of politics and elections from around the world. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at at underscore talk, And please do leave us a rating or review or simply tell your friends about us. You can also email any feedback or comments about it to talk about at gmail.com. My name is Chad Han and until next time, we will speak to you soon.